The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Support for Armchair and the Saints Happy Hour podcast comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you using on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. All right, everybody. Welcome to a special Friday edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Uh, We're not going to do the gambling show this week because I have prior engagements tonight. Uh, and so does Andrew, but we got something better for you. We have the one, the only, Nick Underhill is joining us. Nick, thanks for joining us. How did you like the new airport? You were in New Orleans this weekend. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm not going to be able to match your energy. That's a lot of energy. But I'm not going to be able to <laughs> move this a lot of energy. It is. He's excited to have you, Nick. I am. Hey, I, I'll take it. Uh, yeah, the, the airport was was pretty nice. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I feel like 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 a New Orleans person right now because like I'm about to bitch about the newer, nicer thing. But like, I like the old little dumpy airport that was easy to get oh, in and Jesus. out of and get through security in like 2.5 minutes. You know, this one's it's nice. Like, if you had to spend some time there, I, I guess it's a little better. Maybe they'll get some more connecting flights through there or something. I, I don't know what the plan is. If, if that's the case, you know, that's great. Um, it's good to be able to eat somewhere other than Subway if you get there too early, too. But, yeah, I, I just like the old one. You are officially an honorary New Orleanian now. You're, you, you are, you're complaining <laughs> I about... Feel like he's, I feel like he's one of those guys where, like, after 25 years of driving in potholes, the road finally gets paved. And that's like that person from New Orleans that will complain about the road being better. I, no, the... no, that's not me at all. It's just the airport. <laughs> like, it, was, it was hard to get in and out of. I got yelled at by a cop for jaywalking. It was just like a whole thing. Like my whole experience there was not positive. My well, Nick, so you were in town, man. And uh, I got to say, you successfully avoided me for years at the Greenbrier. And you missed me in, in the, uh, God, what's it called? Uh, Champion Square. Sorry, I blanked for a second. You missed me in Champion Square by mere seconds. I was hanging out with Ramon Vargas and you were hanging out with him. I think like five minutes before that. So congratulations on successfully avoiding me yet again. So here's the key question, Nick. You're in town. You're, you're friends with Ramon. Did he rope you in to go and protect him while he 
while he investigated some heinous crime or <laughs> talked to a potential murderer. Did you have to do that for him this weekend? No, there, there were like no murder watches this time. You know, in the past he has done that. There, there was one time I had to sit there while he uh, interviewed a guy that was like, uh, I think he was eventually convicted of like murdering his father or something like that. And he had me sitting back in the cut watching over him to make sure he didn't get killed during the interview. But no, this time he, he kind of just let me come in and, you know, there was no uh, murderous activities. Just, just we had a lunch at Nacho Mama's and, and that was about it. So my it was a little bit part, safer. My favorite part about Ramon is no matter what happens his entire life, they could have a meteor announce that it's going to hit the earth and the paper will be like, Ramon, we need you to cover the Saints' reaction to it. Like he can, he is never going to escape covering the Saints ever. I think uh, I think he seeks that out though a little bit too. <laughs> you know, I, I think he, uh, he, he likes staying in the mix a little bit, but you know, there's just always like a little bit of a like a frantic vibe around Ramon, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure Andrew picked up on that a little bit. He's, that's just you know his, his general way of being. So if there is a meteor coming, I think that's what like when Ramon's at his happiest, and you know the frazzled <laughs> hair and everything, it, it all fits together when when things aren't going well. So, so you got man, to how co- much? How much do you miss New Orleans, man? Like I I, I don't even know like the stuff you tell me. I don't even know how much of it I'm permitted to say on this podcast but i guess like I'll, I'll phrase it like this i'll ask it like this everyone keeps asking when are you coming back nick <laughs> everyone on saints twitter is is desperate to have you back is there any chance this could ever happen oh i mean you never say never to anything um you know i'm on a contract right now so you know there's there's things that you know i gotta fulfill and then you know i'm not unhappy where i'm at um i guess you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta work where, where you can work. Um, if there's, you know, if nobody's giving you a job, you, you gotta work where you gotta work. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I can't close the door on, on anything. You never know like what's going to happen or, you know, maybe, maybe John George's decides to, you know, drop that some of that billion dollars on me or something. I, I don't know. So, I mean, I won't say no to anything, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, and I'm where I'm at right now. Why can't the a lot, advocate a lot in between the lines right there? Why can't the advocate make you a vanity site like SI did for Peter King? And it can be Nick. It can be advocate <laughs> slash Nick's place. And we um, all go. You know, I just, I just, I don't think they're spending the money on that. So they, you know, <laughs> we, we we aren't doing that. I mean, if you guys want to pay me to come start a website, I'll come start a website. Um, you know, I know, I know, Jude comes from some uh, family money, so maybe he can dip in there. <laughs> maybe you guys can start pressuring him. I, I don't know. But, you know, the, the athletics, uh, you know, they're, they're good to me. They pay well. Um, you know, we got freedom to kind of do the stuff we want to do. It's just, you know, uh, it's just a different environment a little bit. You know, um, I, guess, I guess I would describe the Saints and being around the Saints more of like a family business. And, you know, the Patriots are very much that like corporate culture. So it, it's not even like, you know, a comparison of the companies. It's just, you know, covering the teams is, is different. And I, I knew what I was getting into uh, when I came up here. I guess it's maybe a little bit of a different feel just from before. You know, I, I think that some things around the Patriots and just the atmosphere and the coverage and, and how the coverage is received is, has changed given how many Super Bowls they've, they've won since I left. So, I mean, there's an element of like, you know, the left tackle's hurt and you write about the replacement left tackle being bad and you'll have 500 people coming at you <laughs> like, oh, well, they're still going to win the Super Bowl. And it's like, yeah, they probably are still going to win the Super Bowl, but the left tackle still sucks you right now until the other one comes back from IR. So don't I mean, slander just, Marsh. Don't slander Newhouse like that just because he couldn't make the Saints, man. <laughs> I'm, surprised he, 
I was surprised you even knew who their left tackle was. Um, <laughs> he was with but, the Saints in training camp. That's yeah, how I knew. Okay, well, then, then you know. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what point I was making, but it, it's just a little bit different. You know, like Saints fans, like, they want to know everything, and they care about everything, and they consume everything. And, like, the Saints matter so much. And, you know, you guys do your podcast. I used to write about them, do a podcast. Like, when people care about everything you're saying, it's – it's nice, you know, it's nice to feel like what you're doing, uh, you know, has, has a major impact and, you know, I'm sure there's still impact up here. It's just a different type of impact. And it's just kind of like everything's on pause until like really the Super Bowl, And it's just, it's just kind of been a little bit weird, you know, going through that. But, um, you know, I, I think it covering a team that's very successful also brings more eyes on what you're doing and it just increase, increases the market size and, creates opportunities and you know I, I think that's that's the trade-off so there's a little bit of give and take with that so well, I'm glad you brought up the Saints because um that is what this podcast is about and so we barely. probably should talk we probably should talk about that <laughs> you um, had, Nick you got to experience the game Sunday yeah as a fan which changed your perspective on the Superdome as a place to view a football game but also what the hell happened Sunday yeah, that was terrible. Uh, the, the people behind me were like screaming the whole time, like about uh, an engagement party and like that, that ruined the game. I, I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, I, I think I think a, a person can get engaged and, you know, still focus on their job throughout the week. And, you know, we all go through things in, in our lives throughout the week and still perform at our jobs. I, I just think that they kind of came out flat and, you know, it, it, it just looked bad from start to finish. Uh, you know, I I don't want to make too much out of one game. You know, I, I do still watch all their games, though. And I do think that, you know, the the weaponry beyond Mike Thomas is a, a little bit of a problem. Um, you know, is it enough to stop them from getting to where they want to go? No, probably not. And they can find a way around it. You know, the weapons were were essentially, you know, the same last year. And, and they were one, you know, bad call away from making the Super Bowl. So there's no reason that you know, they still can't get there with what they got, but if they would have made a move for somebody else, I think that it becomes a little bit clearer to make that projection of them being in that game. You know, like if, if they go against a team like, you know, Dallas or, or even the Patriots who have a cornerback like Gilmore, who, you know, has the ability to, to match Mike Thomas's physicality and maybe defend him more one-on-one than, than a lot of other guys in the league, then, you know, that kind of, that's kind of a scarier proposition in the Super Bowl, and there's probably only a few guys in the whole league that can do that. But if you meet one of those cornerbacks, and, and now you're up against them, you could run into those issues. So, I mean, that that was the main thing that I, I saw, you know, in that game, and it was a reminder of just how thin it gets. You know, you're throwing passes to Traquan Smith, and he made some one really good catch, but you know, I don't think he's a reliable target. You know, it looks like Peg Ginn's continues to slow down pretty much like every week you know it just you know he's he's on the backside. he can still make some plays but I just don't think that's somebody that you want to be throwing a you know a third down pass to with the season on the line and it's possible they end up in that situation so I, I think it was just a bad game in this one I still think you know that they would be my pick to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC regardless of one game I, I don't think anyone should make too much out of it but there are some you know underlying issues that I think they need to continue to work on sorting out is, you know, they make that push. Nick. So expanding on what you just said, uh, Ralph and I did a podcast where we kind of talked about the offense and I'll summarize my statement and I'd love to get your reaction to it. 
Um, and you, you didn't necessarily cover maybe the peak uh, era of this offense, you know, where 20, 2009, 2011, where you, you weren't quite in New Orleans yet. Uh, when, when, I, when we call that, that era of the Sean Payton offense like the Death Star offense, where basically down and distance didn't matter. And even if it was third and 12, third and 17, they could still convert those plays because they just had so much playmaking, whether it was Reggie Bush or Darren Sproles, Jimmy Graham, even kind of the second and third tier options with Meacham and Devery Henderson. I mean, those guys could Lance Moore, those guys could all make plays. Whereas now I made the statement that I feel like first and second down are more magnified than ever. And having success on those downs can be a three yard run, a four yard run, which makes third manageable, whether it's third and two, third and four, a manageable distance because this offense can't win the one-on-one matchups anymore. And so third and eight, third and 12, those are, those are non-starters. And honestly, those are non-starters for most NFL offenses. But I, I believe that to be now true for the Saints. And so, you know, when you look at these plays where Sean Payton schemes a 20-yard gain for Josh Hill, He's not going to win a one-on-one matchup, but if you get these manageable distances, he can create plays like that for guys like that. So do you think it's fair to say that, that right now for the Saints, first and second down is more magnified for this offense than ever for them to be successful? Yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying in the premise back in the day that they used to probably have better weapons and were able to win more of those matchups and get open you know, no matter the situation, I'd argue though that first and second down has probably always been extremely important. And, you know, those certain longs were probably still, you know, considerably lower percentage plays, even if they were a higher percentage play for them than other teams that, you know, I doubt that like they were better than 45% on like third and nine and long or something like that, you know, and beyond. But, um, you know, you'd have to look that up. I I could be way off and just saying whatever, but yeah, I mean, definitely when you're, when you're got, you know, two guys essentially in your offense, you know, Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and it's a bunch of other, you know, random guys. And maybe one of them springs open, but you don't want to be throwing the ball to Ted Gim when there's like a defender within one yard of them, you know, going over the middle or definitely not Trey Fon Smith. And maybe Jared Cook has some potential, you know, he's, he got a lot of yards in this game, but you know, the yards he was getting a high percentage of them are in that four minute offense where it's almost like cheating for a tight end and Sean Payton's offense. Kobe Flanner used to rack up yards there. Ben Watson racked up yards there. And then, you know, Dan Arnold did last year when, when he took over for Watson in those four minutes, four minute situations. And then, you know, Watson's yardage plummeted. And I don't really think that Watson fell off or anything like that last year. It's just, he wasn't getting those situations where like, really it is like cheating. It's just the tight ends are so open in those situations and you know he if he continues to develop though and you can count on cook to make some tough catches you know contested plays maybe win a one-on-one matchup you know when it's when it's a safety on him or or something like that then that's going to open things up you know just a little bit more and maybe just that little bit more of an opening is all they need you know come late january february when you know things are tough but Without that, it's just it's just scary knowing that like Mike's so much of the offense, Alvin's been getting banged up, and it's you know it's a little bit it's been a little bit weird for a couple of weeks now with him. I, you know, last week's running game, like I, I don't even know where it was. That was kind of bizarre to me too. I thought Alvin looked okay on a couple of early runs, and then it's like they just kind of went away from it. 
So again, I don't want to put too much in that Falcons game because I just think it's it's an outlier, and you can probably just throw it out and move on. But yeah, I mean, you know, comparably speaking, though, if you're going back to the the golden days of the offense to now, it, it's a lot different. Even though Mike is far and away, you know, individually the best player on any of those teams, but collectively, yeah, I mean, once you get beyond one, like there's a there's a significant drop off if you're trying to compare, you know, Trey Quan to whoever the number, you know, Jimmy Graham would have been the number two guy back then as far as the receivers. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 considerably different. You know, Nick, uh, the trade deadline is passed, and look, you don't want to go over it too much, but I do have a sense, and, and you're still plugged into the Saints, so tell me if I'm wrong. I do have the sense that, you know, last year they wanted a corner. After Baltimore, it sort of became, we got to get one. But the cornerback market last year, it sort of stayed reasonable, right? The prices didn't get out of hand, and they said, hey, we'll get Eli Apple for a fourth, and they got it done. I feel like this year, the Saints probably really wanted a receiver, but the receiver market for trades, it kind of got bonkers where Sanu got Atlanta a second-round pick. Sanders from Denver he got Denver a third and a fourth-round pick. Did the Saints aggressively go for a wide receiver and did the market just kind of get out of their sort of asset range that they had to make a move? Um, I don't know if aggressively is the the right word. I know that they were, you know, involved on some guys. Um, You know, I I was hearing some stuff about even Robbie Anderson, but then, you know, two days before the deadline, you know, I I was told that probably wasn't going to happen. So I think that there was probably a good sense of, you know, the, the price tag and them not wanting to, you know, probably spend too much for, you know, the type of players that, that were available. But, yeah, I think the Patriots kind of messed it up a little bit for everyone by what they gave up for Sanu. Now, he had 81 yards in their last game, and he's probably going to work out very well for their offense. And, you know, their second-round pick is pretty much, you know, the first pick in the third round. It's really a third-round pick. So, like, if you're given a third-round pick, you're so far down in the draft, it's like a fourth round. So, you know, I just throwing that the, the raw number on their second-round pick, kind of makes it look different than what it is but that does set the market for for everybody and you know are you giving up a second round pick for Robbie Anderson you know probably not if you can get by with what you got you can probably draft a better player in the second round next year but you know it doesn't help you this year and they really could use the help but maybe he's you know not viewed as a difference maker I, I think Sean has a pretty good sense of wide receivers and weapons and the guys he's he's going to put into his offense and how they're going to fit how they're going to change things and you know, if he's not going all in for one of those guys, and I'm not trying to, you know, be, you know, default to Sean or cower to him or whatever, but like, I just think that he has a really good sense of how guys are going to work in his offense. And if he says that, you know, a Robbie Anderson, or I don't, I don't know if the AJ Green stuff, you know, how real that was or, or not, but if AJ Green was you know, another one, five whole back- minutes on Twitter, it felt so real. Well, I mean, like the interest in general, um, you know, I know, like, I, th- I think, I don't. I, I never heard him say, but I've read on Twitter, and it wasn't even Schefter that said it, but somebody else said Schefter said it on TV that they were interested. I don't know. I never heard that myself. But if they were, whatever. If they backed out on these guys, I just got to think that you know Peyton was just kind of like you know they they aren't worth it. They aren't going to help. And I kind of feel like he has a good sense of how guys are often going to work in his offense. Not all. Well, let me let me give you a temperature, Nick, of what Saints Twitter is like right now. I mean, I'm sure I know you have your fingers on the pulse of this a little bit, but. We are so desperate for a receiver that we've got a lot of fans that are begging for Des Bryant to come back. We've even had some people suggest Brandon Coleman come out of retirement. We've got people excited about Keith Kirkwood coming back from IR. 
So does that make you maybe second guess how much you miss New Orleans? <laughs> um, hey, man, that does Brian week was like the weirdest week I've ever covered in my life. So, uh, you know, if he came back and actually played in the game and did something, that'd be kind of cool to see what he could do because I, I was eager to see what he could do in the offense. You know, I, I thought Kirkwood had some potential. I don't know if it's game-changing potential, but... Uh, it's it's not. No, but, <laughs> Brandon Coleman, I think, had a pretty significant injury, and, and I don't know if he's better or not. You know, the, the thing is that they've never replaced Willie Sneed. You can go back to that, and, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I, I feel like they gave up on him a little bit too prematurely. He came back out of shape. They basically told him he was, you know, just going to be a role player in the offense, and that's what they stuck with going throughout the whole year, even after, you know, you know, Willie had the DUI. He came back. He was hurt, out of shape. A lot of strikes there. They never gave him a chance to, to overcome that. You know, by the end of the year, he was back in shape and ready to contribute. But, you know, I, I think the damage had been done, and, and they were done with him. And, you know, come the playoffs, they still needed him on a third down there. But, you know, it's just unfortunate because he's kind of the guy, like the guy that they're missing. If you could plug someone else into this offense and you didn't want to have a high-paid wide receiver, somebody that could come in, you know, exploit some zones, have some chemistry with Drew right away. It's it's Willie Sneed, but you know he's he's not coming back, and they just have not found that guy to take his place. Andrew, you forgot two names. You forgot Emmanuel Butler and the track <laughs> star from LSU, Sirius Gray. People want them back too. Oh, Grayson. Yeah, Cyril Grayson. Yeah, Cyril Grayson. Yeah, no, there, there's a couple uh, training camp heroes that yeah, <laughs> that absolutely the Saints are pining for at this point yeah i know nick i know nick nick misses those days when we when we uh obsess over uh saints player because they have two good mini camp practices and start out the first week of training camp looking good and we declare them uh a 50 catch wide receiver and the answer to all the offensive problems you you miss that right nick like the sec the the end of july the the annual who's going to be a training camp star you miss that the the RJ Harris uh, summer summer camp superstar award. Yeah, you know, like it's it might be a good thing that you weren't here that because like, Emmanuel Butler might have made made you look bad actually, Nick. Because dude, I was basically, getting texts about him from from legitimate people, you know, yeah, that yeah, like people in the organization were like super excited about him the first couple of weeks of camp, and then it was just like. What happened to Emmanuel Butler? Like, is he actually good? Where where'd he go? So, I mean, it wasn't just the media. It wasn't just fans. Like, people connected to the team, like, thought they really had something. Well, Nick, uh, hypothetically here, and I, I, especially on the heels of losing to the Falcons as badly as the Saints just did, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but th- this hypothetical scenario where the Saints play the Patriots in the Super Bowl do the Saints have enough to compete against that team? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, I just did another podcast recently, and you know, I said if they played ten times, like I think I like. And honestly, this isn't just like a riding the fence answer, but it is a hundred percent riding the fence answer. Like I think it would go five and five. Like just honestly, and just really, I think it comes down to if they were to play, like who has the best plan? You got the defensive genius, the offensive genius. Um, you know, if Sean schemes the hell out of a game. Like, I, I think they could beat him. You know, last year, last year, um, I think 100% the Saints would have beat the Patriots. I think the Patriots have gotten a little bit better. Uh, I think their defense is playing better. They kind of got, uh, you know, some guys in, in better positions to succeed. They got, you know, Dr. Hightower in more of a blitzing role. Uh, 
And I think that's kind of helped him as, as he's lost a little bit of range. They brought Jamie Collins back for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And he, he looks like a defensive player of the year candidate. So, I mean, they've done things to get better that, that I think would, uh, you know, make it a little bit harder on the saints, you know, Collins, he has the range to kind of, you know, sort of like going back to that Dallas game last year with, with their linebackers and how rangy they were and you know, they were able to kind of keep Alvin in check on first and second down. So I think they got some of the guys to do that. And then, you know, their defensive backs are, are deep enough that they could bring one out to kind of, you know, match up with him on, on third downs or passing situations and, and kind of approach it in a very similar way. So I think just those little bit, little changes have from last year to this year have made this a tougher game, you know, if they were to play each other for the saints, but yeah, I mean, I just really like if, if Sean can find a way to, you know, still get Mike open against Gilmore, uh, and then just get enough out of the other receivers. Like, I, I definitely think the Saints could win that game. I do. I mean, their defense is, looks really good, you know, as long as, as one side of gets healthy and he gets back. Um, and, you know, it's not like the Patriots are super stacked on offense either. You know, they, they got Edelman. Sanu looks okay. After that, there's, there's really nothing there. Um, their running game has been terrible all season long. So, I think defensively, you know, the Saints wouldn't have too many issues against these guys. It's just, you know, it's the Saints offense versus Pat's defense. And, you know, it'd probably be a, a close game, you know, and, and just whoever comes out on top, you know, in, in that battle of wits, I think would win the game. I think it's that close. Yeah. Guys, I want to tell you, Nick came on this podcast. It's it's free because of our friends over at Blue Chew. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work in giving you a boner. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they happened? work up to twice as fast as a pill, and you can be ready whenever the opportunity arrives. Right now, we've got a special offer for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your free shipment. That's free. Use the promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code ARMCHAIR. It's free. Do it. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Nick, why is the offensive line for the Saints so wildly inconsistent? I feel like they've been... In this, in the in the nine games, they've looked great six times, pretty much. But the three bad games, they looked atrocious. Like, and it's well, I'll color that a little more. It's not like the the opponent doesn't matter. Like they have they have stonewalled Khalil Mack. They have stonewalled JJ Watt. So it's not even the quality of the opponent that matters. It's totally haphazard. We're just gonna move move right past the the boner read. Like nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you 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 haven't even the, the beginning of this podcast. We have a taped manscape ad to make sure people's balls are clean and, and so you smell you nice. got it you got it covered from start to finish the whole start process. to finish. <laughs> Nick, we have, in the history of this podcast, we have only turned down one ad, and it was a guns right manifesto lunatic who had a novel and wanted to promote it on the podcast, and we told him no. Yeah, well, I mean, we, you we strongly considered stuff. it. We draw, we draw the line at a possible uh, tin uh, Unabomber ad. <laughs> well, let me let me just ask you guys. We're talking the offensive line. You know, there was the uh, the report yesterday about the broken arm, and they they said Pete was a Pro Bowl player this year. Is, is Pete a Pro Bowl player this year? Uh, well, he he's interesting. So you know, Nick, I, I 
I'm back to doing the player grades, which you used to read, which was a huge shock to me, uh, flattering shock. But um, so I've, I have paid closer attention this year and I have graded Pete out and he it's kind of similar to what Ralph was just saying. He's had five or six exceptional games and then three games where he was real shaky and it stands out. And I think the fans, you know, I, offensive line is a hard thing to grade, but I think when fans, they see one bad play and it's especially on the offensive line, it stands out and you're like, Oh my God, he sucks. But I will tell you just from watching the saints a lot this year and watching the tape, they have this run and you probably remember this play. It's, it's one of their favorite runs where especially in short yardage situations, they'll basically have the fullback Zach line and maybe the tight end from the other side of the field uh, cut pursuit. So they'll come back swing towards the pursuit and Andres Pete will pull from left guard and go inside the center and right guard gap and basically pull and then be the lead blocker for the halfback. And the saints have gone to that play in short yardage in critical situations where they needed a good run many times this season. And it's almost always worked. So I don't know that it's fair to say he's had a Pro Bowl season, um, but I just know from seeing the Saints offense and watching what they do, when it's money time and they need a big yard, a lot of times they're, they're trusting Andres Pete to get it. Look, I, I never thought he sucked. I, I feel like he kind of takes a little bit of too much crap from, uh, from the fan base. He's kind of like a, a, you know, a default whipping boy, so to speak. I, I don't know. Just like somebody they like to, they like to hammer just for Zach Streep was about, one of those guys. Yeah, he was. And look, I like I think Pete's a good, solid player. Somebody's probably going to overpay him. I hope it's not the Saints just because they've had him around long enough and, and they should probably know what he's worth. So he's going to get paid a lot and probably go somewhere and not live up to that contract. But for the money he's being paid right now, I think that he's probably, you know, is good as it gets dollar for dollar, you know, looking around the league. There's probably some guys that are a little bit better, you know, on, on lower contracts, but I don't think they should have any complaints at all about what they're getting out of them. I would just, you know, beware if the price tag for him, you know, gets beyond just a good guard. Like somebody's probably going to pay him to be a tackle yeah. and, you know, good for him. Go get that money, go do it and, and be fine at your job. But, you know, let somebody else overpay him. You know, that, that would just be my only thing with him. But I think for what they're getting right now, he's, he's fine. He's solid. Well, I'm sad about, I'm sad about Andres Pete breaking his arm, but I'm also kind of secretly excited because it lets me, allows me to play this sound effect over and over again. Because it's Will Clap time. Um, but that's a, that's an interesting thing, Nick. You talk about letting Pete leave. They have a lot of guys that they're going to have to pay starting like this is sort of this year's I look at it as like the window closes, right? Because now they have to make decision on a bunch of guys. When you look at the guys that are free agents next year, Vaughn Bell, Onyamada, and uh, Andrew, I think I'm forgetting one more. Andres Pete. Andres Pete. Who, who yeah. would you say if you think Andres Pete's going to go, Vaughn Bell, Onyamada, if they're only able to keep one of them? Who do you think would be priority? Um, it's so hard to, to talk about the Saints' salary cap and who they're going to keep because they just do things that nobody else does that defies <laughs> logic until it happens. And then everybody starts, you know, like they got killed for, for like the Drew Brees ghost year contract and it's all these jokes and everything. And then 
you know, the Patriots go ahead and put it into Tom Brady's contract. And, you know, everybody's real quiet because, you know, it's the Loomis Patriots. math so spreads they, they, they from team to team. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if we're looking at it like a normal thing, like there is a reality where people price out and they run out of money and, and you know, the salary cap is this thing that, that actually sets a cap on what you can spend. You know, you, you got to start making hard decisions. I don't think Onyemata is going to cost a ton to keep. You know, if you can... If you can get him back, I I would keep him just because. But you know, it, I would definitely set a price point on him and and not be willing to go too far beyond it. You know, Von Bell is kind of the surprising one where where it gets hard because he's really played well. I feel like the last two years, and it's it's funny. Last year, he was kind of really the only guy that that had anything to prove in that secondary, and I feel like a lot of them came in you know loafing and took the offseason real easy and thought the NFL was real easy and success was going to be you know, guaranteed. And then, you know, Lattimore came out and literally fell on his face in week one. Uh, Marcus Williams, you know, didn't have the season that he was supposed to have. And, you know, here's Kurt Coleman trying to take Von Bell's job and Von Bell had to, you know, really work to kind of preserve his, his, uh, his job and, you know, window to, to make money and get that good second contract. And I think, I don't know if it's going to be from the saints or somebody else, but like, I, I do think he's going to get paid pretty well, you know, when he, when he hits the market, you know, the question is, is that they draft a guy that can replace him and is the value there? Do you want to, do you want to pay him and, and, you know, keep the three safeties or, you know, did you draft this guy because you see the end of the line and, and you're going to cycle him out? You know, if you have to start making hard decisions and you're looking down the, the road to, you know, who you got to sign, you know, year two, year three, maybe he's somebody where, where you cut the cost and, and rely on your drafting and, and save that money for, you know, Alvin or, or whoever else, you know, the uh, safety Ramshack, market, you know, some of these other guys. And the safety market got weird because two years ago, the Saints paid Kurt Coleman ahead of free agency, and he got one of the better deals because nobody paid safeties. And last year, everybody was paying safeties. So it's just, it's, it's hard to predict, like you say. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so we're, we're tied on time, Nick, Nick, and you're a professional. We're a couple clowns. Well, that's not fair, actually. Ralph, he, he does an article for WWL. So he's like semi legit. I'm a clown. You're a professional. So you don't want to take up too much of your time. But Nick, they I put can't me on TV every week. That's right. Can you believe that? It's true. <laughs> I've seen it with my own eyes. Eventually, um, I'll learn I, how to look I, into the I camera. I can't let you out of here, Nick, without talking about Teddy Bridgewater. I just, just real. Are, are you a believer? Uh, a believer of what? Uh, I, I guess the way I would phrase the question is, are you a believer that he can be or should be the quarterback of the future for the Saints? And is he going to get an offer from another – is another team going to be like, hey, Teddy, come here. We got, we got, we got three years, $45 million for you next March. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, like, you know, if you were to retire after the season and you got Teddy in the building, like, I think you have to resign him and keep him, but – like the surefire guy of the future. No, like even if you did keep him, I would advocate, you know, say, say Drew leaves, they keep Teddy. I would advocate drafting a quarterback right away and just continuing to do so. Because I, you know, I feel like at best, he's probably like a top 20 guy, you know, and in the right system, this system, you know, the right guys around him, I, you know, I think he's a guy, if everything goes right, yeah, you can win a Super Bowl with him. But at the same time, you know, I, I think he's, he's probably right around that Nick Foles level of a player where, you know, if he's your guy, he's your guy and you build an offense around him, and, and you try to win games and, you know, maybe you have some success, but like you're always going to want 
a little bit something more out of that position. So, you know, if 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 they're in a situation where, you know, Drew is gone, yeah, you got to keep him. But if, you know, Breeze is sticking around for another year or two, you know, and, and you kind of have that conversation with him and, and you get a little bit of an idea for his outline, I don't think that you force Breeze out to go to him or that you overextend to keep Bridgewater in, you know, I, I think that you'd probably be fine moving on, getting the third round pick, drafting another guy. And okay, but let's say, uh, okay, so let's say Breeze stays though. Uh, Let but him go. You, you would, so you you do think there would be a team. So, cause you mentioned he, his, his ceiling maybe is like a Nick Foles. Well, Nick Foles just got an enormous contract this off season. Now I realize he had some playoff success. He won a Super Bowl, So that's a little different, but I mean, you think a team will pay huge money for Teddy Bridgewater this offseason? Yeah, I I do. I think he's going to make probably a decent amount of money. Case Keenum just got paid, you know, a pretty, pretty good amount. So, I mean, if like Teddy was somewhere in that, like, I'm probably going to be way off on this projection. But if he's like, you know, somewhere in that 17, 18, 19, 20 million dollar range, it it really wouldn't surprise me all that much. Ryan Pace is totally going to pay him a ridiculous amount of money. That's my prediction. And it's gonna and he's gonna use, and he's gonna do the Loomis math, so it'll be like eight dollars against the Bears cap. <laughs> there you go. So, Nick, before we get you out of here, what's your first meal you had when you landed back in New Orleans over the weekend? Uh the first one I had, a, I, I went, I went straight to Izzo's. That's that's my spot. Uh, that Mexican rice is just different than anything else nice. in the world. Uh, and then my, my other like favorite place, I don't know if it's okay to say this because they had some weird stuff go on with, you know, all the, the restaurant schedule stuff, but like, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's okay or not, but like, I, I go to Johnny Sanchez, like that's, that's one of my favorite spots there. So, you know, I'm still eating there. Um, I don't I'll know if that's morally wrong <laughs> or not. I, I don't know. I don't know what the stance is. I don't know if like, it's still the same ownership or what. So, you know, for a while we stayed away, but you know, I, I left and came back and, and I had to have it. And how was it? Did it live up? Oh, it's fantastic. It's always good. So go. what's the latest pair of sneakers that you've purchased? Uh, I got a pair of Sacconis that they sneaker politics. It's a Louisiana uh, sneaker store there. They, they collaborated with them and Cafe du Monde um, to put out like a shoe that looks like a beignet. So that, that was the last pair I bought. I listened to Jesus is King. It made my ears bleed. Nick, am I wrong for feeling that way? By Kanye, look, I'm I'm a you know I'm a I'm a I'm a Jesus fan, but I don't need a lot of <laughs> scripture in my music. So you know, there was some stuff, a couple songs that I thought sounded okay, but overall, you know, I I listened to it maybe once the first day through, and then a couple songs, you know, day two and three, and then since then, like it just it just has not come back. If you want, I cool, think this is the first time in the history of our lives that Nick and I agree on a music take. That's that's impressive. Kids, if you want to listen to cool gospel music, Johnny Cash is the way to go. I'm just saying. <laughs> just I'm just gonna throw that out there. So, Nick, thanks for joining us. We are pining for you here. We know you're at the athletic. You're great. I always the, one last thing in the athletic. The little the little grade, the little smiley face thing at the bottom. Like if I don't give you a good review, do they withhold money, food, or do they electric shock you? Should I always give you a, a high rating? I feel like if I don't, something bad is going to happen to like you or Cat Terrell. So so that rating system at the bottom. It's it's not life or death, right? No, they actually keep track of it. So hit the smiley face. <laughs> 
Done. I'm gonna click it like six times right yeah. after we get off. So yeah, hit guys, like, go on the private browser. Just keep logging in and clicking it. <laughs> guys, you know where to find Nick. He's on he's on Twitter. He's on the Athletic. You should subscribe, guys. He's so nice for joining us, but you should subscribe to our podcast and support us. $7 a month gets you the best Saints podcast on earth every day. So have a great weekend, guys, and we will see you on Monday. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.